live there it is all right welcome welcome back everybody we're back for another awesome week we have a great guest joining us today we're going to talk about the scarcity mindset and how we overcome that says uh there's lots of love to go around and we all we all just want to share it so let's go let's dive in here we go practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory the mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful day. If you are joining us for the first time today, welcome and thank you for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Three opportunities every week for you to ask questions. So if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs. Let me know. Leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing PolyA and let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves. And the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com. Sign up to share your imperfect story, too. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. Now let's get on to the best part of the show. Let's introduce our guest. It has been said that in order to become a master at something, you've got to work at it for 10,000 hours. Today's guest has been helping people through trauma, depression, and anxiety, overcome substance abuse and addiction, and significantly improve relationships for nearly 25 years. I don't know how many hours that is, but I'd say she knows a thing or two about psychology and mental health. Our guest prides herself in creating a neutral ground for families, couples, and polycules to find real answers to their problems and experience positive change while helping the individual heal, energize, and become aware of their inner strengths. Her intention is to support and listen to her clients and work with them along their journey so that you can heal from your pain and move forward to where you want to be in your life. I'm excited to chat with our guest today and discover how we can detach from scarcity thinking and embrace abundance in our polyam journeys. Joining us today from Beginnings Counseling Services out of Syracuse, New York, welcome to the show, Petra Stone. All right, there it is. Welcome, 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 Petra. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm excited to get an opportunity to dive into this topic. Um, I'm just going to ask you, you know, right off the bat, why scarcity mindset? What is uh, your, your proclivity, I guess, to this specific topic? Um, well, I guess I'll start with my own experience, which is something that I use a lot in, in my approach to helping other, I'm others. I'm definitely an imperfect human and, uh, you know, I have been poly for over 20 years and I've, I've had good and bad experiences and I, one of the not so good experiences for me was really this, um, my inability to, hmm, 
not be scared of sharing, I would say. I, I really, I really, uh, what happened for me is that I really became super duper focused on what I was losing or not getting by my partner having, giving attention to someone else or loving someone else. And, um, you know, and I, through my own work and through my own healing, I really realized that part of what was happening for me is that I got stuck in this idea that love is finite. There's only so much to go around. So if uh, my partner loves someone else, they can't possibly love me in the same way they do if they don't love anybody else. Um, and, you know, I really had to confront that thinking in myself. And, and I've really come, honestly, part of what opened my eyes was becoming a grandmother. I have, believe it or not, I have seven grandchildren, uh, ranging in age from 17 to nine years old. So when my first grandson was born, I loved that little kid so much. I thought there's no way I could ever, ever love somebody that same way again. There's no way. I mean, I was, you know, so then the second kid comes, the grandkid comes around, and I love that one just as much as I do the first one. And I didn't love you know, the first one any less, just because I love the other one just as much. So it really got me thinking that really there's no finite amount of love. And like, where did this thinking come from that, you know, there's only so much to go around. And if, if my partner loves someone else, or get, you know, then they can't possibly love me, can't love me in the same way. So that's kind of how I came around to this way of scarcity thinking and and for i think what it does is and you know we can get a i have some ideas around like i was saying earlier how society kind of reinforces that thinking right but you know it just puts us in this position of fear we're always having to protect what's ours right so and and uh, you know so we're constantly on the edge and on the lookout for somebody taking something away from us, and um, it just really doesn't allow us to be open and free and live in abundance. Uh, it it always keeps us on edge, and there's always this fear involved. Like oh, you might be my partner today, but you might not be my partner tomorrow. So I better close all the doors and batten down the hatches and make sure you don't look at anybody else because, you know, nothing's guaranteed. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I started thinking about the scarcity uh, mindset. And, and, you know, the opposite for me is this idea of abundance, right? Okay. So it doesn't mean infinite. I do think there are, you know, there uh I think there are finite amounts of time. There's finite amounts of energy. Mm -hmm. There's finite amount of, you know, resources really that we can give to relationships, right? Right. But not love. Not love. And I think a lot of times, and, you know, I thought about this a little bit this morning uh, for the show, and I thought, you know, we come. I think we come by this thinking originally, innocently. I was kind of thinking about when we're kids, when we're little kids, babies, maybe pre-verbal mm -hmm. or early verbal, right? 
the world exists for us, right? It's mommy and daddy, and they give us attention, and attention means love. Right. It's one and the same thing. We can't separate that out. And then maybe something, one or two things might happen. Maybe another baby shows up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, mommy and daddy have to divide their time. They can't give me as much attention as they used to because there's somebody else now taking their attention. In my kid brain, because I equate attention with love, I start thinking they don't love me as much anymore because they're not paying as much attention. That's super interesting. Um, just the way that that develops. Uh, when I was... When I was a kid, uh, how old would I have been? I would have been like four-ish, three, three, four, something like that. Um, and I was the youngest of two at the time. Uh, and then my little brother came into the picture. And I remember... Um, I said, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> what was that about? Uh, <laughs> hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. Why is there another kid? What's happening here? Exactly. What's going on? Like, like I was supposed to be the baby, and I remember, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, animosity, you know, with, with my brother growing up. Um, he and I didn't get along very well be, because, you know, I I think I like held that against him for for mm-hmm. a long time or whatever. Um, so how, as we start to grow and develop into functional adults, uh, do we let go of that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it was way into adulthood when I, you know, finally really let go of all of that. Um, but like, how, do, how does that affect our relationships? How, how could that affect, you know, the way that we approach, especially something like polyamory? Polyamory. Yeah. I just wanted to add, you know, not everybody has a little brother, right? Sometimes we are the baby. And, you know, sometimes we get all the attention. So that becomes another way that we view reality. Like love is equated with I'm the only one and I get everything and nobody else gets anything. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's not always that you learn this lesson because somebody else shows up. It might be, again, innocently, this is how I was taught. So, again, attention and love are the same thing. So... You would think as we grow older, we magically learn, oh, no, 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 that's not the case. Like, you know, that's not the case. But we never have to learn that lesson, really, because society reinforces this idea. Okay? They reinforce you get yours, and it's your one and only love, and you're the most important thing, and, you know, nothing can take that away from you, and Nothing can compete with that. And if anything does, it's bad. You know, there's only so much to go around. So I think that's kind of where we don't naturally open up and say, hey, wait a minute. I thought this way as a kid, but not that I, now that I'm an adult, it doesn't really, that's not really accurate anymore. Right. No, nobody says that to us. And really, there's no, there's no interest in that. Society has no interest to teach us that. That. Yeah, I love I love this comment from uh, one of our listeners. It says one of the first words a child utters is mine. Right. And so we're it's like we're taught from an early age that what's mine is mine or or even if it isn't like I I want the thing and that kind of starts to to develop that early onset scarcity 
mindset. Yeah. So, you know, going back to that, uh, if, if attention and love are the same, how are we able to break free of the, this kind of scarcity thinking so that we can embrace the abundance that really is, you know, what, what, what love is available? Yeah, again, I gave one example just, you know, saying that about my grandchildren, but really if you think about it, I think we get very confused in adulthood and, and you know, confuse attention with love. Say you have a partner that usually goes golfing on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and you accept that they're spending five hours on Tuesday going golfing. You you go about your business, you do your thing, your partner comes home, and everything is good. Now, this partner now has another love interest and spends five hours on Tuesday with that person. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it becomes a problem. It feels like you're not getting something. Right. What are you not getting? Uh- I guess I, I wouldn't say that you're not necessarily losing anything in that case because that person was going to be gone playing golf anyway. I think, you know, it just comes down to that, you know, idea that instead of golfing, they're with somebody else. And I think it always comes back to that fear of, you know, if they're with somebody else, then maybe I'm not enough and they're going to leave me for this other person. Right. And the other thing is, I think where the jealousy part comes in again is back to the scarcity. Mm-hmm. If you're giving attention to this person and giving love to this person, I'm losing something. Right. It's like so, a zero sum game. Exactly. There's not enough to go around. Right. So, so all of a sudden an issue, because really the only thing that's different is how the person is spending their time. But we are again, confusing time with love. You know, your attention, your energy goes towards somebody else. That means you you can't love me because those two things can't exist in the same space. That's not true. But, you know, it's it's kind of what we're taught and how we kind of go about our lives thinking, you know, I that can't possibly work when right. it comes when it comes to romantic love. But we know it, it works for other types of love. So why wouldn't it work for romantic love? Right. It's this fear. It's this idea of I'm, you're taking something away from me. Mm-hmm. You're taking something away from me by paying attention, by loving someone else. And if you can, I think if we can overcome that and, you know, I'm, I'm still very fearful. I'm, I still have to work on, I'm not all of a sudden all better. And it's like, yeah, honey, go ahead. Have a great time. You know, I still get scared. But I'm an adult now, and I can tell my little kid, hey, you're okay, you know? You're not going to be left in the dark to starve (laughs) by yourself. Like, that's not going to happen. And actually, nothing competes with a free relationship. If my partner's happy, if my partner gets to have what they want, I mean, they're going to love me more, not less. (laughs) I totally agree with that. My relationship is going to be more secure, not less yep. secure. Yep. No, I totally agree. Uh, there's this great tweet from uh, Leanne over at Polyphilia. Uh, I, I, I 
gonna butcher it a little bit, but uh, something along the lines of by giving my partner the freedom to seek connections elsewhere, I never have to fear that they're going to leave me for that person because they can have us both. They, right. have, they can have us all, right? Uh, right? And so to to your point, you know, when it comes to the time that we spend, maybe, you know, my partner would be spending time doing something else anyway if they weren't with me. But I think, you know, I think where, where this comes from, and this is just kind of my opinion, is in monogamy, we are taught, you know, especially if we come from religious backgrounds, that the two become one, right? So when you get into a relationship with somebody, when you marry somebody, uh, your lives, instead of being two separate lives, become one life. And you're supposed to share everything and, and do everything together. It took a long time for me personally to, you know, go to the grocery store without my partner, you know, like we would just do everything together. And so um, decoupling is another thing that that as newly polyamorous folks, uh, we often have to learn is to be able to be our own individual selves have our own hobbies, have our own, you know, separate interests and not get consistently tied up in doing every single thing with, you know, the, the, the formerly monogamous partner. It's like letting go of that. And I guess as we're, as I'm thinking about this, this, this letting go of the monopoly over my partner's time, you know, I might fear that I am losing something there. I might be afraid that I am losing the constant, as you said, attention equals love. So I'm losing that attention and I'm losing love because now we're not doing everything together. I'm not, you know, we're not joined at the hip, going to the grocery store, doing all the errands, doing all of these things that we used to do. Now they, they are starting to get their own interests. I mean, now I can look back and say that's that's a healthy thing for me to have my own separate interests. Mm. But at the time, in the middle of it, it's scary. Sure. So what would you say to somebody who's who's going through that, experiencing this loss of attention uh, and and not sure how to deal with it? Well, I think, again, there there are, you know, if it is a matter of time, so say your partner all of a sudden is dividing their attention and they're not, they don't have as much time for you or you don't spend as much time together as you used to and you really haven't developed your own ability to be, you know, self-soothing to kind of figure out how you're going to take care of yourself, that can be difficult, right? And I, I mean, I would say that... Again, don't mistake attention for love. It's not the same thing. It's not, you know, you might not be getting as much attention, but that doesn't mean your partner loves you any less. And that's very hard to do. You That has to be uncovered as well. Because, again, it gets all mushed together. And so in adulthood, we really have to learn to uncouple love from time spent or attention. If it's, But I do think... I do think it's something that's negotiable. So in other words, if it, if it is something where you're feeling neglected or you don't have as much time as you would like, I think it's on the table for negotiation, right? 
Right. What, but what doesn't happen in a lot of types of couples that you're talking about, we're doing everything together and we're spending all our time together. I don't mean any disrespect by using this word, but it's kind of a lazy way to do relationship. And you don't really learn. You, you're not challenging each other, right? You're kind of in the pocket. You know what I mean? I, we do everything together. We're kind of there. We kind of merge into a blob. So we're all good. You know, and then if something rocks the boat a little bit, you have no resources. You don't know what to do, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're walking like this, not like this. So if one person moves away a little bit, the other person falls over. So where you really want to go in relationship, you want to learn to walk this way. And it's negotiable how much distance you want between you. Right. And that changes over time, you know, but you really do want to be in a place, regardless if you're polyamorous or not, that each person is really their own person. Right. That chooses to be in relationship, right? That gives consent, you know, to be in relationship. That's the other part of it. And by the way, this festival that shows up on the bottom there, that sentient fest. That is one of the tenets that we've been working on, my partner and I, in terms of this festival, the, the idea of consent. Mm-hmm. Consent in relationship, consent in all types of relationships. A lot of us walk through the world and we do so many things and we're never in consent. We just always are reacting. Right. So that's, yeah, so... So, but you have to have, you have to have your own personhood to be in consent. If you're not your own person, you can't really give consent. You know? I mean, that's deep. Uh, Tell me a little bit, a little bit more about that. Like how, what do you mean by that? We have to like know myself. Are we talking about like self-awareness? Yes. That's part of it. You have to be able, you know, you know what they say, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Right. But most of us, you know, especially when we're early on in polyamory, then it gets really messy. We get all triggered by all kinds of stuff. So we don't even know what the heck we're doing. Like, it's really hard to give consent to anything because you, you know, you're so triggered. So in my opinion, when, when, when I work with couples, I say to them, and I know this isn't always easy to pull off, but you know, move at the speed of the slowest person. Mm -hmm. So in other words, wait, hold your horses, wait until the person that's really triggered is at a place where they can give consent, where they can really say, you know what, this really hurts. I don't like it. It's sucky. I'm really feeling unsure, but I can give consent to you pursuing something else because I'm going to be okay. You know, and that's not the same as owning the other person or giving permission. Mm -hmm. It's a different thing. Giving consent means I am aware of what's going on. I know that I have a choice for myself and I get I get to make a choice. So I can say, you know, you are free to pursue this if you want. I guess that would be the better thing. But I'm asking you to wait because I'm really triggered right now. And, and I don't know if I can really make a clear decision right now, one way or another. I might say no. It might not really mean it because I'm so triggered. 
but so giving consent is a is a tricky business but the more you practice it the the better you get at it and so let's talk about it just in terms of interacting with each other let's leave Polly out of it for a minute how many of us assume way too many things about our interactions with other people i mean i guess we all do yeah we we do what i mean is um you walk up to somebody that you know and you just start talking to them because you know them sure okay we don't take the time to say hey uh i really i'd like to talk to you for a couple of minutes do you have time right now to do that we just assume we have consent to approach and engage the person because we know them right okay so in effect we're not really asking for consent first i I guess not because we're already familiar yeah but that doesn't give you an excuse to just do whatever that's what i mean you still eat and i think the more familiar you are the more consent you should get because the more likely or the more risk there is that you're going to overstep a boundary or assume something that's wrong and and violate somebody's you know traumatize them really like that where the little micro traumas come from because then you know, the other person, is, say you just come up to somebody and we are all taught to be polite, um, you know, unless you're German like me. But, you know, we're all, we're all taught to be polite, super polite in this country. You know, being polite and not hurting somebody's feelings goes above everybody else. So if you go up to somebody and don't ask consent, they're just going to start talking to you because they're, they're not going to be impolite. So, like strangers on a bus? For example, okay, that's kind of what I'm um, thinking of. Okay, tell me more about that. Well, I, I don't know. I, like, uh, you're you're talking about being polite. If I'm public transportation was the first thing that I came up. I'm I'm sitting on, on a bus or trolley or subway, whatever, and somebody sits down next to me and just starts talking to me. Like, the polite thing to do is to respond. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, but it's not necessarily that I'm giving consent i'm just responding because somebody is is approaching me i I guess i'm failing to see like how there's anything necessarily wrong with that though well it's it's a very little infraction and you're like saying what's the big deal but the thing is those little infractions add up to you losing consciousness of what you need and what you want Hmm. over time right so so over time and again this for me this does connect with polyamory because a lot of times by the time a lot of us get into polyamorous relationships right we have we're not really sure we even can give consent like we don't what if we don't want to in that moment like what if the partner wants to just say you know i don't own you but I can't say that I can give enthusiastic consent at the moment because it's not what I'm feeling. It's not where I'm at. But a lot of times, like, this is what happened to me. I love my partner. I wanted my partner to have what my partner wanted. So I said, yeah, go ahead. I'll deal with it somehow, right? But 
I really wasn't ready for it. But, you know, so I really, I couldn't give consent in that moment actively. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky concept. But um, I think the more we work on that, the less, that comes right back to scarcity. If, why do we, why do we, walk up to somebody and just start, start talking, right? Because what if we walk up to them and say, do you have a minute? And the person says, no. Then at least we can say, all right, move on and try to find somebody else to socialize with, I guess. But maybe that's not what you want. Do you see what I mean? Maybe you want to talk to them. Right. And that's all you're thinking about. You're not really thinking about the other part. Well, maybe they don't want to talk to me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, well, that's great. I, I can want to talk to them all I want, but if they don't want to talk to me, I can't force them to. Right. But you do if you just start talking, unless they're super that's rude. True. That's true. Unless they uh, just get up and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Which you're not going to do because they're polite. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, and I think so working on the consent piece really also has to do with working on abundance because if we get brave enough to ask with, for consent, the reason we don't do that is because we're afraid we're going to get a no. Yes, 100%. We're all afraid of rejection, right? Yeah, exactly. So if, if the no doesn't mean you're losing something or you're lacking something, if it just means it's not the right time, it's not the right circumstances, and you can get your needs met somewhere else because there's abundance around, mm -hmm. then all it means is, hey, the person isn't available to me right now. That's it. That's all. doesn't mean anything else. So it, you lose that. You lose all of the stories that you tell yourself in your head about. Okay. For sure. Uh, Petra, uh, we are coming close uh, to time. Is it okay if, if we run a little bit long? Because I have one more question for you that yeah. I want to kind of get to. Yeah, so, sure. Um, this actually was a, uh, a listener suggestion, uh, and we wanted to talk about being polysaturated. So we're here, we're talking about scarcity mindset, right? Um, and there are times when we might become polysaturated. Right. There's... We have infinite love to give, but as you said, there's only so much time and energy. My my Google calendar is going to get full. So when we get into that situation, you know, what are some some tips, maybe some things that you might uh, tell somebody to think about uh, if they're in that situation, or maybe some ways to be self-aware, like you're talking about, know ourselves so that we can be more conscious as we're getting to that point of polysaturation. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to be in love, right? So I, I think, you know, so I think with polyamory, it's like, it's like anything else. Like, I really like cheesecake. I could eat a whole cheesecake, but I don't know if it's good for me. Probably not. You know what I mean? But sometimes I don't know when to stop. And then, you know, I end up with a bellyache and now I have a problem. So I think the kind of the same thing can happen around polyamory where we're just enthused and we're, you know, hey, you know, there's all these people that are into me and, and that want to have relationships with me and it's so much fun and I love the new relationship energy and I can handle it and 
before you know it, you're underwater because there's so much going on that you, you know, all you're doing is having conversations and trying to work out your calendar and figuring out. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I would say air on air on the side of less. You know, don't give in to be an adult about Polly mm-hmm. too. Like, don't give in to every impulse. You know, because y- you're gonna have you're gonna have a finite amount of energy and time. That's just that's just the way it is. And then you know, yeah, then it becomes stressful. <laughs> Polly, I mean, it's stressful yeah. anyway a lot of times. But you know. So I would say, again, err on the side of less, you know, not because of scarcity, but because you want to leave, be it, spend some time with yourself, make yes. a poly relationship with yourself. You should yes. have at least that enough yep. time that one of the major relationships you have in your life is with yourself. So if you don't have time for yourself because you've got so much else going on, that person is losing out and that's you, your relationship with you. So that would be my number one advice. It's like always make room for yourself. If you're noticing that you don't have enough room to have a relationship with yourself, there's too much going on. I love it. I love it. Um, I 100% agree with that. That has been a huge lesson that I have been learning for myself this year is to take care of me, to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to practice self-care and to be okay with, you know, just doing things that are going to relax me and you know not stress me out um and, and it's can funny I, can i say go something ahead. Sure, go ahead. the other thing is you are not responsible for other people period end of story period end of story you are not, you're accountable for your actions you're accountable for your agreements you know so if you agree to something you're accountable for that but you're not responsible for other people. You're not responsible for their feelings, for their reactions, how it works or doesn't work. That's not on you. Your responsibility is to yourself. Yep. That's it. Absolutely. And every, everything else has to flow from that. So you have to be first, period. And that, you know, you have to be in the center of your life. I don't care if you're monogamous or if you're poly, if you are not okay, if you're not in the center of your life. If you, and part of what happens when you get polysaturated is you lose the connection with yourself because you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you don't know what the heck is going on. So you have to make that room and you have to put yourself in the center. That doesn't mean you're, you know, you're selfish mm-hmm. or self-centered. That means you're centered in self. There's a difference. I like that. I like that. There's a difference. So there's self-centered poly people. Part of the reason my first relationship didn't make it because my partner was self-centered. It probably didn't realize it at the time, but, um, you know. But being centered in self. That's totally different. And that's encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And on that note, since we're talking about it, uh, I'm going to be taking care of myself and uh, the poly- Practicing Polyamory podcast uh, season one is going to end October 31st. There are a few spots left. So if anybody wants to sign up, go ahead and do that because uh, I will be taking a three month break, November, December, January, and I'll be back 
uh, in February because self-care <laughs> is important. Self-care is important. Petra, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. I uh, really feel like we got a lot of good meat on this bone and uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good conversation here. Uh, was there anything I missed? Any final thoughts that you want to leave with the audience? Uh, and if not, um, go ahead. Any final thoughts that you want to leave? We'll start with that. No, I just, um, you know, I hope it was helpful. I certainly enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, it's just scratching the surface, really. You know, it, this could be a conversation that goes on, you know, multiple, yeah. multiple times. So, you know, I really appreciate it. It was really easy to talk to you. And like I said, I hope, you know, I hope it was helpful. So. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, last sure. thing I want to ask you uh, is about uh, your therapy practice and the sentient fest. Uh, since we have both of those scrolling along the bottom, uh, yeah. tell people how they can get in touch with you, what you're able to offer them and what, what's going on at these two websites. So uh, my practice, I'm a, a private practice therapist, and I am on the poly-friendly therapy website. I do provide, uh, I'm in New York State, so I'm licensed to provide therapy in New York State only. I do provide um, telehealth, so uh, people can contact me from anywhere in New York State. Uh, because of my licensing restrictions, I can't really see people from other parts of the country. Uh, I would be practicing outside of my license. But certainly, um, I do see poly individuals as well as couples. Um, so, you know, and, and multiple uh, people, partners, configurations, um, so if I have a spot in my practice, you're welcome to reach out to me through beginningtherapy.com. There is a contact form on there that you can reach. Sentient Fest, um, just kind of check it out. We're also on Facebook on the Sentient Festival and I think on Twitter and Instagram. And again, that festival is, is about coming fully into ourselves and it really um, it deals with a lot of aspects that we talked about like the consent aspect but also um just about human the human condition and how to connect with each other and um be in community and learn to 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 be honest and to be ourselves and okay with our body so it's it's a very interesting festival and we really love doing it so you can check it out on the website or go to one of the social media platforms and that was sentientfest.com yes all right. Perfect. Petra, thank you once again so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, thank you for um, our, to our, our commenters. Really appreciate the feedback in here. Uh, and as always, thank you to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast, if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. Thank you once again, Petra. Thank you, everybody. And until tomorrow... Oh, by the way, we have a Thursday show this week. But until tomorrow... Have a nice day! 
Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.